welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, where you'll hear advice from experienced safety leaders on how to protect your people and business. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld. Today, I invited Chris Nelson, Senior Vice President and Head of Asset Protection at Gap Inc., the clothing and accessories retailer. After a decade of service in the military police corps, Chris also held positions in retail investigations, asset protection, loss prevention, and security for more than 20 years. In this episode, Chris shares Gap Inc.'s incredible preparation and response to the terrifying reality of active shooter events. Let's listen in. Hey, Chris, welcome to the show. I'm really glad you could join me today. Thanks so much for having me. This is important stuff. Absolutely. And just to jump right into it, things have gotten pretty grim for retailers over the last several years in the areas of theft and employee safety, especially so in certain locations around the country. Can you bring us up to speed on the latest and what's top of mind for you right now? Yeah, it's, it's a very dynamic place right now. I've been doing this for a while, but I have not seen what I call the theft pressure and the safety pressure as high in our environment ever in my career. And I think most people have seen of late, it's come to the level that it's actually material in earning statements that certain retailers are putting out saying, we're really concerned about this. And it's touching not only our employee population, but our profitability. And the number one worry for me, quite frankly, is the safety of our employees, because they power the business. And as I look at this, I don't like theft. None of us like theft and loss but I'm most concerned about the safety of the employees and the communities that we operate in. Right now, we are on record pace as a country for active shooters or active threats in mass shootings. And what a horrible statistic. It just seems that every weekend there's another one of those. It's a terrible statistic and it's really impacting the community. Well, speaking of safety in particular, like I know the the product is important, but people's lives are absolutely exponentially more important than that. And you touched on active shooter and workplace violence. Could you maybe talk a bit about that in a little bit more detail without mentioning any specifics? So we employ a, a logic we call left of boom, and it comes from the military. So think of a timeline. And the timeline is today we're sitting here. Unfortunately, we know that in the future, there's going to be some sort of a boom. Is it a active threat that goes on? Is it a gas leak? Is it a problem in the military? It was, you know, somebody's going to try and do something bad. So what you want to do is stay left on that timeline of the boom for as much of the time as you can. Use that time to be prepared. Use that time to train your team so they understand what to do if, God forbid, that boom happens. When it happens then, We have to make sure they're trained to do everything in their power to mitigate the issues, to be say we run, hide, fight is what you'll hear oftentimes in the training related to active threat. But are they ready, willing, and able to do that? You can't tell them that. You've got to, you've got to prepare them much better than just that. And then afterwards, are we prepared to help them come back together and make them whole again? These are scary situations. Any of I'm a combat veteran. If I was in an active threat situation, I would be afraid. That is something you have to address. You can't just say, okay, it's over. Let's go back to work. 
That just doesn't work. That's not our human mind is not designed to do that. That's not healthy. So if we stay left of boom, get them ready, make sure the actions they take during the incident are the right ones, and then make sure we have aftercare, we find that we're in a lot better spot. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's go back to the top and talk about training. Uh, 20, 30 years ago, you probably didn't really even do this training, or maybe it was once a year when someone first started. Now it seems like you have to do a lot more. So help make that real for the listener. Like, what does that mean? What kind of training do you do? What do you find most effective? So we use what we call tell, show, do training. And so what we do is we have obviously the policies. Here's what we want. Here's how you do it. Here's how we get the store prepared. Here's the locks we have, the place we want you to go if this occurs, the actions that you have. It's the run, hide, fight. That's wonderful. But if I just walked you through that now, and then tomorrow there was an incident, you're not going to be as prepared as if I showed you. So we tell them, then we show them so that we have training and video, because a lot of us are visual learners. I know I am. But then the coup de grace of all this is make them do it. Because if you put yourself through a drill and you understand and you physically walk that terrain or that area, you've seen what it's like. If I go through that door, here's what happens. Here's what's back there, all that sort of thing. Now we're mapping out in their brain what their response is. Because when these things happen, it's super stressful. And your brain starts to shut down when you go into stress. So if we haven't gone through this, you find that people don't know what to do. If I just told them, they may forget it or they may remember only part of it. When we go tell, show, do, they can repeat that act and they can do it much better. And we've had recent incidents where we've had uh, a couple of really terrible incidents where when we went down and talked to the team afterwards, they said, gosh, we did a drill last week. And so everybody knew what we needed to do. And oh my gosh, am I glad that we did it because we knew what to do. In some cases, they would say, we found that the front door was really difficult to lock quickly so we can go and figure out how to overcome that. So we're not trying to figure that out when there's an individual with a weapon in the parking lot or on their way in. So really, really critical. And it is not easy. And when I you go into a store manager and you say, we need everybody trained on this and we want you to do this monthly, you can get pushback to say, come on, Chris, that's scary. I really don't have the time. We're already having staffing is hard for everybody. But the reality is we insist upon it. And when we insist upon it, then we get it done. And then you start to see these green shoots come up where somebody says, gosh, I'm glad we did that because it really did help. It really did help us be safer. And that's not everywhere out there right now in the business community. Some folks are not doing that. And part of our messaging here today, I think, is, gosh, we have to do that. That's part of our responsibility. Without a doubt. And I'm sorry to hear that that happened. I hope everyone was okay. I know maybe they were okay in the moment, but afterwards, as you said, there's the uh, kind of post-traumatic stress disorder that people can have that you have to address. And I definitely want to talk about that. But before we do, now we're in boom. What's the first thing that you do when you learn about a shooting? When it comes to me, there's already a team that has been trained as part of our left of boom on what to do. 
So we make sure that we understand what's going on in the store and we go into a support mode because that general manager, that leader in the store is taking care of that initial tactic. And then what we're doing is going in and saying, what's going on there? How can we help? What can we do to augment the law enforcement response? How can we make sure that you're safe? And we do some things that have developed, quite honestly, over time. In a recent incident, there was a lengthy period that the team was in lock and hide in the back room. Well, our manager in the area was able to stay in contact with that manager in the store, walk them through what was happening, talk to them about what the police were trying to do, talk to them about why it's important to stay where they are, stay safe. If they have customers that were um, concerned, it's another voice to help. And I think that becomes really critical because think of yourself as you're the manager on duty and this terrible thing just happened. And now you're in the back of the the, uh, store with customers and employees. And when these things happen, it's a lot of pressure and you're going to get different reactions. So having that capability to support them in the moment is really, really critical. It doesn't replace quality training up front. That's the key. I think we, we all got to remember that. But being there with them and helping them get through, helping respond if the police want to say, hey, we, we need to use a camera angle that you have, or can you help us with X, Y, or Z? We're there for them. But I think being support at that point is really critical because they have a big job to do. Yeah, that's got to be absolutely terrifying for the people on site. So it sounds like from your perspective, if you're 10 miles away or a thousand miles away, whatever it is, you're just that coordinator, the middle person who can help facilitate things between the first responders and then the folks on site, because you have a good understanding of both those perspectives. Yes, yes. And we can understand what's going on. And depending on where you are, the police don't really know who's in there, how many are in there, what's going on. We don't really know or the, in the store what the police are doing. So what should I be prepared for? All of those sorts of things are really critical so that we can help coordinate through it to your point. Now, you talked about this a bit before, but I'd like to dig into it some more. What kind of feedback did you specifically hear from employees or the customers that were involved in that about what their experience was like for them? Yeah, I've done a couple of visits recently post these events. And it's interesting, the number one thing that made me feel the best was we just did these drills and they they worked and so i knew what to do so that is that is really a really critical part they were prepared and i'm thankful for that it doesn't happen on accident i heard other things other companies other stores in the same mall didn't know what to do that's scary for me that's unsettling for me we didn't know what to do because they didn't have a program in place. So that that was disturbing to our team. And we have other cases where there's maybe not a notification process. So we're doing some work to try and help guide that. Then the other thing I think that we really need to understand is that everybody handles these things differently. So when you get through the boom, you're not done. That follow-on, that aftercare is absolutely critical. And some folks may go through it and, you know, if they can talk to somebody and take a couple days, they're just fine. Others, it may last longer. And others may seem fine, but three weeks later, something pops up that kind of triggers them. So you have to be very cognizant of that. 
because we're powered by people. That's what we do in retail. And the more we can get them the support they need to feel comfortable and feel safe and be safe in the environment, the better off we're going to be to recover. What does that support look like? What can an organization do from a people perspective, from a resources perspective, help our listeners maybe understand, you know, one, two, three, these are things I should and can do immediately after an incident like this and also in the ensuing weeks and months? Yeah, it's it's a great point. And it's something that 15 years ago, this was not really something that we were dealing with on a day-to-day basis. But I would say that the number one thing is to get in there with support. And for us, support looks like a couple things. Number one, get a team in there that can take care of the business of the store or the business of your business so that those that went through it don't have to be focused on that. Their mind is not on that right now. Their mind is on the traumatic, what I call a significant emotional event that they just went through. The second thing is I love people, I care about them, but I'm not equipped as a counselor post-incident. So we have wonderful, wonderful HR partners and we have set up counseling that can come in. So if we have a boom, part of our repertoire is we say, okay, this just happened in such and such a place. Let's activate that part of the plan. And then we bring in the counselors and we put it in a safe environment so that our employees can go seek out that counseling. And sometimes group counseling, so let's sit down and talk about it with the team that was there is super helpful. But sometimes it's, hey, Chris needs to just talk to somebody one-on-one. So we allow that. And we're fortunate as a company to have great leadership support because nobody ever says, gosh, how long are we going to keep doing that? That's really expensive, things of that nature. Our leadership team really understands the need to bring people back up and to take care of them. And it takes a while. There, I've been into stores where somebody was involved and they said, That was super scary. I went through the group session and then I talked to a counselor one-on-one and she really helped me and I'm feeling much better now. And I've literally been in other stores where somebody says, hey, Chris, could you not talk to Peter about that right now? Because it's still too raw and he's still talking to folks about it and he's trying to process through it. And you have to have the grace to allow that to happen. And you have to have that, that mindset to not jump into the store and say, tell me about this stack of jeans over here. You have to say, let's get you back. Um, Some of the other things that we've learned is that putting people right back into the same environment right away and then starting commerce up right away is not always good because they're still trying to process through. So we've had a lot of success bringing people back. Don't open the store up right away, but just let's get everybody back in the environment feel what it's like, get more comfortable. Those sorts of things are really important. And then we've recently had a GM who was just so smart. He just blew me away. But he said, gosh, you know what, Chris? I noticed once we opened up, people didn't want to take their breaks and walk down to the food court anymore Mm. because it was still too new. It was still too raw that that isn't as safe as our environment. So he sort of reconfigured the break room so that they had food and drink in there so that for a while, that team, when they took their break, could get everything they needed for their break right there in the back of the house. It's those kind of leaders that really not only are inspiring, but they teach us to say, let's make sure we're ready for that. 
as we go forward. Yeah, it sounds like the most important thing here is just to realize that this is real and you can't have a program for it. You just have to be human, pay attention, observe, and then react accordingly as a human, not as a robot. Right. And lay out the resources ahead of time, because if something happens today, I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I call, hey, Anita, I need counselors. Starting from the ground up is difficult, but having that pre-coordinated resource available to us is really critical so that we can get those resources in um, when they're needed. Well, what about you as the leader? We talk about this on the show a lot, the need to protect ourselves as safety and security leaders and professionals from burnout. We're human too. So how do you manage the stress that you're experiencing so you can show up for your team? Yes, I am a combat veteran and have experienced some of that stress in the past. Number one lesson is don't hold it in. There is not anybody that's so tough that they can just hold everything in and deal with it. We're not designed to see some of the things we see. We're not, that's not good. That's not normal. And we have to make sure we let it out. So I think that's the first thing. Don't hold it in. The other thing is one size doesn't fit all. I think you brought it up earlier. If Peter went through this and Peter was the responder and he dealt with all this stuff, Let's talk to him about how he's feeling, what he needs, get him the resources. Cause you may say, gosh, I'm okay now, but I need a break or I need to be out of that environment. Well, we have to give that grace. We have to give that grace to understand that's what Peter needs at this point. And the old rub some dirt on it that we all got as kids, that does not apply here at all. And then the last thing I think is to be a team. You know, if I'm going through a hard time and I've got my team in the right spot, then somebody can step in for me while I process and get through this and vice versa. I have a leader that's that way. Well, I can step in. I got you, Peter. Let's get you over to the resource you need or let's give you that space away or time away that you need. It sounds like the organization can do a lot to help people recover from these things, but it's incumbent upon the person to take advantage of those resources. And I think a lot of people don't know to do what, how to do what you said, which is let it out. You have to, you don't bottle it up. How do you do that? Uh, well, first of all, you have to say it. And there's the old saying, if you want somebody to understand it or hear it really, you have to say it seven times or something. Some psychologist smarter than me thought it through and studied it. You can't just say it. And if I tell my team, you, we need to talk about it and I don't talk about it, how's that going to work, right? But if I encourage it, if I give them that grace, if I make sure that I follow up, sometimes it's, hey, let's do X, Y, and Z. And I'm going to give you a shout next week. Let's talk about how is it going. So the leading by example, I think, is really important in making sure that you follow up and you use it. And then the other thing that, you know, I talked about our HR team before, they have laid out and gone and researched the resources that are available and made that part of what's available as an employee value proposition for our teams. And it's really smart because I've bumped into businesses where I've walked into the mall two weeks after the event happened and I see a business closed. And I say, well, what's going on here? Well, they they lost 90% of their staff and they can't staff back up again. Wow. When you think about it, first of all, it's the right thing to do as a human. Second of all, it's the right thing to do as a leader. That's who we who we should be. But practically speaking, 
we have to account for this because it's touching our team's lives. Yeah, it's it seems like employee safety and productivity are not mutually exclusive. It goes back to Maslow. If you don't feel safe, you cannot do anything else. <laughs> and it, if they're in there scared to death, they're not focusing on the things that are going to drive the business. They're focusing on being scared to death. And that that's just not acceptable to us. Yeah. Well, do you have any specific advice for leaders when it comes to preparing for these types of events? Any absolute just must-dos to improve the chances of a more positive outcome? I, I think, you know, if you go back and think of it through um, sort of that left of boom, we have time right now. Every one of us right now, now watch the phone ring, but we have this luxury of being before the boom. So and take a hard look and I go in after all of these with the team and we say, what went well, what didn't go well, and what can we do better in the future? What can the teams teach us? So analyze what you've got going on. There are malls out there. There are brands out there whose teams are not fully trained on what to do. You can fix that. You can fix that. The second thing is tell, show, do is huge. It, you can apply it to a lot of stuff. You can apply it to service. You can yeah, all kinds of things. But make sure that your teams are going through the drills and they know what to do. Because when you need it, there's no substitute for it. You can't go back and say, wait a minute, hold on. We got to do a drill here. Make sure that they do it and insist upon it. And it takes a little pushing sometimes and it keeps a little insisting. But if you go through and do that, then I think you're going to find yourself um, in a much better place. And then kind of this aftercare idea, take a look at what's going on. That's aftercare is not something that um, a security department or AP always has the natural resources for. But gosh, we have great partners in employee relations and in HR, even through our compensation department to say what resources are out there so that we can get people what they need when this happens. And what has occurred to me, and it sounds a little dark, but we are all on notice as leaders right now that bad things can happen in our environment. And I wish that we had the power, but you and I and all the leadership there is are not going to change that bad things are going to happen in society. But what we can change is whether or not we are prepared and whether or not we are responding in a broad way to help the teams. It takes a little effort, but it's so, so worth it if you do it right. It is indeed. Is there a particular key lesson that you learned from that experience that you're going to take with you moving forward? I think the one piece for me is to take what we do and make people understand through teaching, coaching, inspiring why we do it. I was in store visits this week out in the New York area. And some of the events that had recently happened, I used to tell stories in the stores to say, I know we're asking you to do this. I know this takes time. I know that we're very busy. The stores are the most dynamic part of our business. But let me tell you how this works and why we're doing it. That's really important because now people can say, gosh, that happened to somebody in the very same environment that I'm in. And they went through it. And it kept them safe and it kept them whole. And we got people back on their feet and they were feeling solid in a much better way than if we had not done this. It's real to them. It's real to them. 
Yeah, that storytelling is so important. It's just how we've evolved over thousands and thousands of years sitting around the fire telling stories. It's what our brains accept. So the yeah. the best stories you can come up with to share how other organizations have gone through these things and or in your own organization, even more powerful, that will help people understand the why, like you said. Yeah, and, they, and we owe that to them. A leader is a resource, not a dictator or not a teller. Um, when you become a resource as a leader, I think that's when you're really helping teams. Indeed. Well, as we start to wrap up here, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to impart to our listeners out there about this topic or anything when it comes to employee safety? I think employee safety is sort of a poster child for this, but a lot of the things that we do in the industry, whether it's retail or security at large, have competitiveness. We're not going to share our marketing plans. We're not going to share the newest item for holiday, all of those things. But when we're talking about safety, it's a team sport. If anybody wants to call me, call my team, write us and say, how do you do this? Can you show us what you're doing? We will say absolutely and we will do it now. It's not a competitive advantage to have an unsafe environment next door to us. That unsafe environment is part of our community and we don't want that to continue. So one, please go out and evaluate what you do. But then two, let's address this as a community. We do it all the time. And we have really good success with the RELA AP leadership team. We share these things because we're part of a community. And that's what's going to win the day. It's not going to be one person who does it really good and 90 others are doing it poorly. That all comes together in the community. Absolutely. And that's precisely why we do this show, to help build that community. And I'm so happy that you reinforce that message and that you're making yourself available to folks out there to reach out to you. Thank you very much. You bet. You bet. Well, Chris, thank you for being on the show today. I think it's been great. I learned a lot and I love this idea of tell, show, do. I think everyone should think about how they incorporate that into their safety trainings, regardless of what industry you're in. Yeah, it works. It works and it gets people ready. And thank you so much for doing this. We appreciate it. The more of this we do, the safer the communities will be. You bet. You can learn more about Chris and his work with Gap Inc. in the show notes. We'll be back next week with more insights to help you protect your people and your business. For video highlights from today's episode, just search for Alert Media on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Have a safe week, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, the industry's most intuitive emergency communication and threat intelligence solution. To learn more about how to protect your people and business during critical events, visit alertmedia.com. Until next time.